Wonderful. Thank you for that. And uh, the reality is it can. And uh, the, the truth is that it's, it's only ever really an acceptance of all that Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. That's what makes a difference. And we're glad that, um, that so many of us here, they've, you've, uh, you've placed your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus and what he's done. And uh, again, later, as we have our baptism, we're going to have someone who, that is their testimony now. They, they understood that all those years ago that Jesus came and he willingly laid down his life for, for all, all sinners. And we're glad that we can uh, certainly trust him. And uh, turn your Bibles this morning to Ruth chapter 2. And it's already been a good day, beautiful day outside as well. And again, please uh, continue to pray for our leadership conference. Had a good time of prayer this past uh, Friday through to Saturday morning. And uh, many of you came through at, at some point during the day, so thankful for those who did. And particularly those who did the night shift, some who turned up around midnight and uh, did well there. So it kept, kept me company at least, but we're glad that, um, uh, that we'll, we can look forward to that. But Ruth chapter 2 this morning as we continue our study of the book of Ruth. And uh, where, where we're up to the story now is that both Naomi and Ruth have now returned to Bethlehem. And I know that it took us a while to cover through chapter 1. We know the situation that both Ruth and Naomi were. They really were in a place of desperation. They were in a place of destitution. And what they found themselves was now having to come back to Bethlehem, the very place that, that Naomi and her husband Elimelech had left and, and their two boys. And now she's coming back with only one daughter-in-law. And that daughter-in-law is Ruth, who uh, we know famously said in, in chapter 1, verse 16, Whither thou goest, I will go. And that commitment and that devotion that Ruth uh, gave really grounded on the fact that she now believed in God. And, and we, again, looked at some of the, the, the different pictures of that, the different things that we learned, but now they've returned. And so now they're back to Bethlehem. They've journeyed. They've come all that way. And what we find is if you've ever read through the book of Ruth in chapter 2, it's really a chapter where the, 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 the kinsman redeemer is what we call him, Boaz. And we're going to look at the, the type of him, Lord willing, next week. But we see he's introduced now. And, and really when you think about the fact that the, 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 this, this book of the Bible is named after Ruth, we also know that, that really when it comes to it, the, the protagonist of the story is really Boaz. He's really, when you, when you come to it, he, he really does make all the difference. And, and we know, and we're going to learn next week, that Boaz is a type of Christ. But we're also going to see that this idea of gleaning and really matched with that and in, in correspondence to that, the idea of grace is actually also presented. And we're going to see that it's, it's a chapter of gleaning and grace. And, you know, you think about the situation that these two ladies found themselves in. And, I, again, I describe it to be really in desperation. They were in destitution. Uh, they were in, in dire straits, so to speak. And now they find themselves back to this somewhat familiar place, even though really at the end of chapter 1, they didn't recognize Naomi. They, she said to herself, I'm bitter. Call me Mara. And so now they find themselves in this place and, you know, they, they're still in that situation. They're, they're still really in hardship. 
And yet, you know, the, the thing that will help us through so often and what we need to be reminded about is just God's grace upon our lives. You know, when we go through difficulty and when we go through hardship, God meets out to us His grace. And just the idea of grace in the, in the Bible is such an important one. We know that God Himself is a gracious God. Many times, over a hundred verses, God is described as gracious. God is described as one who gives grace. We know what grace is. Grace is unmerited favor or kindness. It's something where God gives us something good, even though we don't deserve it. That's what grace is. And the reality is that we know that it's for by grace we're saved through faith. And that not of ourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Not, none of us here can, true, we can't earn salvation. It's grace. It's undeserved. If, if God was to give us what we deserved, then we would all be judged and immediately be placed in the lake of fire. That, but the reality is God gives us grace. Each day is a day of grace. Each day as we go about, whether we're going through the most difficult day or we're going through just a plain old day, it's all God's grace. It's all, it's all of that. And what we find is as, as, as this situation that these two women find themselves in, the answer to their problem was that just God's preparation of grace. And what grace is when you, when you go through what the Bible has to say about that, Grace is really God's, just God's providence. You know, each day when God provides and God gives you providence of things in your life, you know what that is? It's God's grace on our lives. And it's just really God's providence, and it's really underpinned by the fact that God is sovereign and He knows exactly what we need. And so He meets out grace, and He's going to demonstrate this in this principle of gleaning that we find in the Bible. But upon, upon their return, we find that, that there's... There's, a, there's an avenue for them to be helped. And there's a way for them to be helped. And this chapter really demonstrates Ruth's, uh, Ruth's determination, Ruth's commitment, and then also perhaps even a little bit of Naomi's progress on her way out of bitterness and on her way out of, of the, the issues that she's still trying to process. And it seems that Ruth wasn't just going to simply sit by. She was going to try to do her what she can to trust God and to lean on his grace. And, and so she goes on, and what we find is she asks this simple, uh, simple request in verse 2. It says, And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean. And we're going to study that in a, in a little bit and glean. But what she understood was that she needed to do what she needed to do in her time of trial. She, she surveyed the options, and as they came back, and, and perhaps instructed by Naomi and Elimelech, and even uh, perhaps her husband, who was of this lineage, but the Bible's very careful to tell us that she was a Moabitess. She wasn't someone who was really uh, a natural fit in this place. She didn't grow up in this place, and yet she, she understood, it seemed, a little bit more, or at least trusted a little bit more in the process and the systems that God had placed to give grace to her. She was the one that requested of the one that actually lived there and grew up there and, and should have understood more and maybe should have trusted more. But this Moabitess, Ruth, she was the one. She said, let me go and glean. 
And she understood perhaps a little bit more vividly in her desperation by what means God was going to bring them through this. She, she didn't feel entitled. She just wanted to receive and wanted to go out in, her, in, 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 in the very thing that God has provided so that she can be a recipient of grace. And I want to tell you that all, although God will provide our needs... We understand that there's, gonna, there's a portion of that where we have to trust in God's means of grace. You know, I think it's easily demonstrable. You know, you, sometimes you talk to people about their need of Christ as their Savior, and you'll, you'll go through that, and, and here's sometimes their response. It's too easy. What do you mean I just have to trust Jesus as my Savior? I, I, what do you mean? Don't, shouldn't I... Shouldn't I walk up the steps of a church on my knees? Shouldn't I, shouldn't I be at least a good person? And they, they, they bring all of these things that are really religion. But when it comes down to it, this is God's way of grace. He gave His only begotten Son. And whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That is God's means of grace. And sometimes when we... Uh, when we confront people about their need of a savior, they're, they're looking at that and they say, what do you mean it's that way? And, and we've got to understand that, that God has his means of grace. In 2 Thessalonians 3.10, even in, in our daily things, for even when we were with you, this we commanded you that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Now, you might be thinking, well, that's a strange thing to, to tie into grace. You know, when we, when we have the ability and we go out to earn and we can provide for food on our table, you know, at the end of the day, that's still God's grace. Now, there's an expectation that we're going to do our bit, that if we work, that we're going to trust God in that He's going to provide some way. But the, the fact that it happens, His providential care upon us that way, that's still God's grace. You know, it's still God's grace for us to be able to go through the things that we go through and the results of that. And so there's a, there's a corresponding trust and action to grace. And God made provision in the situation that Ruth and Naomi found themselves in through the means of gleaning. And there's a great, there's a great picture there of the spiritual life of, of trusting in God's grace but also understanding that we've got to action God's grace. We've got to follow through in God's grace. We've got to understand that that is God's means. And, and, and rather than trying to uh, concoct our own way for Him to meet out His graces upon us, we've got to go His way because that's His way of grace. And so we see that here really in the life of Ruth and Naomi as we start off this chapter and we're going to see just really the principle of gleaning and grace. And we see in verse 1, And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And a, really a simple introduction to, to, in my mind, really the hero of the story. He, he really later on, in a bit of a spoiler alert, he's, he comes to the rescue. But it's this, it's, it's this lineage of Elimelech that, he go, that they go to, just to, to, for their shelter and for their, their care. And yet within that, me, uh, within that the, their midst was this kinsman of her, a family member 
who was a mighty man of wealth, and he was of that family of her husbands, of Naomi's husband and Ruth's husband, Elimelech. And his name was Boaz. And verse 2 again, And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him, in whose sight, notice this, I shall find grace. And she said unto her, so this is Naomi responding, Go, my daughter. And so she goes to glean ears of corn. She gleaned it in the field. And, and what gleaning is, by definition, is to gather select or accumulate by means of things scattered or left behind. So if you've ever been to some sort of agricultural setting, you understand that as you pick things, um, there's things that fall on the floor. And what gleaning is was to pick up those things that were left behind. And um, I think about years ago, uh, uh, John and I, actually we, we headed over for a summer, a bit of a summer job over at his uh, his his a cousin's place in Orange, New South Wales. And uh, you know what they grow in Orange? Anyone guess? <laughs> cherries, okay? Not oranges, <laughs> cherries. And so over the, over the summer, we went and we thought, well, let's get a summer job. Let's pick fruit. And so we went over there. And to be honest, it rained for about three of the four weeks. But, and so we only picked for a week. And, and most of that week, we didn't really get paid much because we just ended up pulling the cherries, eating them, and throwing them at each other. But that's what, what happens when you send 16-year-old boys over for a summer, summer job, all right? But, you know, I think about all of the, the, the cherries we dropped, and probably if we took the time to actually go, go around the trees that, that we were picking and we had gone to the, the ground there, we would have probably filled buckets and buckets. And, and that's just what happened in, in, in a very... Uh, agrarian society, their agricultural society that, that they were in, those gleanings could add up to some things. And yet, specifically, actually God built into his law a, a means to, of which through gleaning, those in need were to be supported. And what it was, the corners of each field were not to be reaped. And, and the sheaf accidentally left behind, those things left behind, was not to be fetched away. They weren't meant to be picked up by the workers. They were be, to be left for the poor and the strangers to glean. And I want to show you that. Look at Leviticus chapter 19. So this is really the context of which that society was operating in. So Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 9. Notice there, and when you reap, the harvest of your land, thou shalt not wholly reap the corners of thy field, neither shalt thou gather the gleanings of thy harvest. So he's saying, leave a corner. Now notice Leviticus chapter 23. So go back a couple of, I'll uh, go forward a couple of chapters. And here in this great chapter of, of the different feasts, he speaks about different harvests that, that they were to celebrate. We see Leviticus chapter 23, and he speaks about this, and he expands on that. In verse 22, it says, And when you reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not make clean riddance of the corners of thy field when thou reapest. Neither shalt thou gather any gleaning of thy harvest. Thou shalt leave them, notice specifically, unto the poor and to the stranger. I am the Lord your God. So, so this was God's system now where he was giving to the poor and to the strangers a, a means of which they can 
survive and then even thrive. Now go to Deuteronomy chapter 24 and he further expands it. Deuteronomy chapter 24. Thanks for turning there. And in verse 21. So he expands this, when thou gatherest the grapes of thy vineyard, thou shalt not glean it afterward. It shall be for the strangers, for the fatherless, and for the widow. And again, we, we sort of sometimes look at that and we, we have our own support systems that we have in our day to day. We have those who you know, claim different benefits from our government and all of that, and that's the the idea of a commonwealth. And, and, and yet we understand that sometimes, sometimes in that system, there breeds into that a bit of an entitlement mentality. That, that somehow someone else should look after us. And th- this, wasn't, uh, this wasn't the case. This was God's heart for those who were in desperate need and understanding for his people that actually God's going to bless them enough that they should leave in their, in their fields an ability for others to find grace through them. And, and so this was in, in God's, God's law. This was in God's society there in Israel. And, and what we find is somehow, some way, Ruth understands that. Ruth understands that actually there's a way in, in which, and, and even though Ru, Naomi was the one that, was in that society that grew up there that maybe even had the knowledge of that to relay to Ruth. It was Ruth that actioned it. It was Ruth who believed in God's means of grace. It was Ruth who understood that she needed to do something that related to what God had provided anyway. And so there's an understanding then that Ruth was going to go and trust God and do this thing. And you know, the, the thing is though, sometimes even though God has a means of grace, there's just in us sometimes the, way, the means to resist that. And sometimes we estimate God's ways and we don't give it the credit and we don't give it the honor and we don't give it the trust that it deserves. And so we, we, we sometimes accuse God of not meeting out grace, but that's never the case. God's always gracious. It's just whether we trust his means or not. It's whether we actually will come to a place of, firstly, if we're going to find grace, we're going to need to show and be willing to be humble to gain grace. Because there's a great humility, because they knew anyone who was there, that was for the poor, for the widow, and for the fatherless. There's an admission of need. There's an admission that I can't, help myself here, I'm going to need to rely on God's way. But you know, it's so often the case, isn't it, that we in our nature, we're self-reliant. And we can, in our own pride, want to reject God's way. And we, even though may, might even have an understanding of it, we might look at that and go, that's not for me. And it takes humility to gain grace. In fact, the Bible tells us that he ministers grace to the humble. And so often when we're, we're needing help, so often when we are in a place of, of need, so often when we are in a place where actually we, we can't do it ourselves, what do we do? We, we try to fight it 
our way. We try to figure it out ourselves. And yet there's God's means. You know, one of those means of grace is prayer. You know, how often do we go to prayer first rather than trying to action it our way and, and, and then stuff everything up? You know, we're just trying to figure it out like we have some sort of hidden wisdom and, and yet the, the wisdom of God is just humility. It's just understanding that just being low before Him and asking and, and th that's what the Bible tells us. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, make your requests be made known unto God. How often do we just sort of shelve prayer because that's just the emergency button that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to press if I'm, I get absolutely desperate. But how often does God want to minister grace to us in that way? And we won't do it. We won't humble ourselves to ask. We won't humble ourselves to go by God's means of grace. And you've got to be willing to be humble to gain grace. And Ruth, when you think about it, had to lower herself even more. She had to lower herself to receive grace. And often grace is there to be given, but our own pride gets in the way. Our own self-reliance, our own mentality, I'm a self-made man. No, no one's a self-made man. All of us had to be offered grace at some point. All of us had to receive of God's grace at, in some way. And, you know, we, we sometimes get our, in our own way to receive the grace that we need, really just because of pride. In James 4, 6, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. In 1 Peter 5, 5, likewise ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility for God resisteth the proud and giveth, what, grace to the humble. And so often maybe we recognize that we need some sort of relief and we need some sort of answer for something. And, and God's saying, hey, I have a means. And that means is just humbling yourself and lowering yourself and, and understanding that in of myself I have not the means and I have not the way. And I'm going to have to lower myself and recognize where I'm really at. So often that admission is the very thing that stops us. That, that, that willingness to be humble. Humility was demonstrated by Ruth in her willingness actually to, to go to the field. To go to that place of gleaning, to get what they needed to survive. And, and Naomi was there. She says, go. And you know, often a marker of a devoted person. Is, is their willingness to lower themselves to gain what they need. Here's another, another thing. It's called counsel. You know, the Bible tells us there's safety in the multitude of counselors. And sometimes when we're trying to figure something out, we just we need a different perspective, don't we? We need someone maybe who's had some experience, maybe someone who has a different view of it and We've got to get counsel, and, and yet so often how, how hard-headed are we and hard-hearted are we at times when the answer of grace is actually the counsel of others. We'll keep ourselves, and we'll go, and we'll try to figure it out, and we'll worry all night, and we'll keep ourselves up, and, and we'll go and, and go through other means when God's given a means of grace, and that's counsel. You know, many young people who are trying to figure out life and they're trying to figure out God's will and, and there's those in the church that 
that God has set there and have given with experience through maybe their own hardship, maybe their own trouble, maybe their own heartache. And young people go through and the, that very resource of grace is right next to them in the pew. Just the aisle over. And they'll resist that. Why? Because pride. And yet, the means of it is humble, humility. And that's a marker of a devoted person is their willingness to lower themselves. You know what humility is? It's a it's determination to not allow pride to get in the way of our own needs and our own growth. And, and Ruth recognized, you know, I need. I'm in want. I'm in lack. And so I'm going to humble myself and receive of God's grace. You know, he says in Proverbs 3.34, Surely he scorneth the scorners, but he giveth grace unto the lowly. And so sometimes it's what it is, it's just, just humbling ourselves before a holy God and saying, Lord, I want to go by your means of grace. And so there's a lowliness involved, but then also you've got to just be willing to receive grace to get grace. You know, sometimes it's just that, that there's an offer made and just, we just don't want to receive that. And what this was, this was a choice to receive of another. You know, I remember a situation that we were in. I had, had been a youth pastor for quite a while. I had, had raised quite a number of our young people to, to the place where they're graduating and many were serving. And, and, you know, I thought I had achieved something. And I remember one particular afternoon, I was sitting with one of our young men and and to be honest, he had walked away from the Lord for a little while, and he had just come back. He was an older teenager. And we were sitting together, and we were just talking. And, and you know the thing that you usually do as, as just a, a good brother in the Lord? You just ask, hey, can I pray for you? And he had just come back to the, to the church, so I asked him, hey, can I pray for you? And, you know, he mentioned some things, and, and, and I wrote them down, and but then while we were sitting there, I think it was at a parking lot somewhere at some Maccas, and he looked at me and he said, Pastor, can I pray for you? And you know what? At that point, I'll be honest, pride got in. And I said in my heart, how can you pray for me? And I remember just the Lord just saying, you really? Too good to get grace? Too good to, uh, for, for this one to pray for you. And, and I remember just immediately I said, oh, you know what, actually you can. And, and then I just, I actually, I, I told him some things and he said, no, no, Pastor, I will pray for you. And I love that a week later he followed up with me. He said, Pastor, I prayed, how's that going? <laughs> and you know what, sometimes we can get too big to receive grace. And you've got, to, you've got to be able to, to, to receive get grace to get grace. You know, sometimes in our, in our pride, again, we don't want to receive help from the hand of others. Or, or we despise the grace that has been given. Maybe it's not being good enough. Like, I expected more of you. You know, sometimes God in His sovereignty uh, will, will give us something that we don't understand. And it's actually the answer that we need. And we'll, we'll be placed in a situation that we didn't want, but actually we were praying about it. You know, I, I, another situation, I remember when uh, we, my wife and I we were just going through 
just a, a really difficult time. We, just a, a time of discouragement. It was just a time where there was a real challenge, you know, in our, in our ministry life and, and just seemed like things had just turned upside down. You ever been there? Just things just have turned upside down and just came out of nowhere. It's like when you go in for a bit of a swim in the ocean and this wave comes and tumbles you. You just don't know where, which way's up. And we came to church that morning, and to, to be honest, I didn't want to come to church that morning. It was just, it was hard. And I remember coming into the, and it was, it was morning tea time, and I was just standing around. I don't, don't, don't particularly know why, but I was just standing outside. And I remember that morning I had been praying, Lord, please encourage me today, because I'm really discouraged. Lord, help me because I'm about to preach and I don't want to come up there discouraged. And I don't know how to deal with this. And, and, I, was, and I was just standing there and, and, you know, to be honest, I was feeling sorry for myself because I, I felt like God didn't encourage me that morning. <laughs> he just kept me where I was at. But then out of nowhere, this little lady, she didn't know it, but I felt like no one cared that morning. She didn't know it, but she came around the corner and she just had a bowl of soup. <laughs> and she just came up to me and she said, Pastor, I can see you're having a tough time. Can I give you this, can I give you this bowl of soup? And that's all, it, that's all I needed. I wasn't hungry, all right, just saying, but I just, I just needed someone and, and it's like this, and you know, um, I just remember her, she ministered to, she ministered to my wife and I, just over and over. When it felt like no one else noticed, she, she would come. And, you know, ironically, not really, but her name's Mercy. <laughs> but that's Bella's mom. She just would come. But, you know, it, it, it take a little bit, took a little bit. And I, I would look and i go, that's just a bowl of soup. And you might think that. And sometimes God will answer in different means, but you've got to be able to receive grace to gain grace. And you've got to be able to go, you know what, that's God's grace to me. And sometimes we look at it and we want another, we have other expectations. You know, sometimes God can, will give us manna. You remember that story in Exodus chapter 16? God miraculously provides through this bread from heaven, this, this white element. They didn't know what to call it, so they said manna, <laughs> meaning what is it? But it, it tasted like honey, and it was bread from heaven. And, you know, this God's people, Israel, had complained right through their journey in the wilderness, and there was God's grace on the floor. And all they had to do was collect it. And you know what they did? They complained. They complained. They, they thought about all the things that they had left in Egypt. And you know what then God did? God ministered more grace. He sent the quails. And, and yet God had some things that he said, you know, don't save it up. Pick it up anew every morning. And even with the quails, he, he, he's saying, trust me every day. And God's people still, through all of that, they, they were spoiled. And they still, and you know, sometimes we're like that. God answers us. We just don't have 
really, we don't even understand how he did that. And eventually, we just don't have any grace to receive grace. We suddenly complain about God's means of, of provision. You know, sometimes I see that, again, in, in people who they're looking for work and God providentially gives them work and then a week later they're complaining about it. And the week later they're saying, oh God, why did you and do this and do that? And suddenly we're complaining about the very thing that God used to answer with grace. And often we complain at how God's grace is meted out to us. We don't remember we, or perhaps recognize that, that it's God's grace. And, and Ruth understood the design of gleaning was to be her grace as someone who was destitute. She didn't ask for something more or less. She was willing to receive of what means God had provided. And, and, and really, that's the, her character. Is her. I think sometimes we have each grace as, God, as by God's design. And, you know, I think sometimes we have an idea of how God should be gracious. Like we want God to do it this way or that way. As if we're the sovereign and as if we're the ones with, with ultimate wisdom. As if we're the ones that know best. And sometimes we even are, 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 are not only unsurrendered to that and unsubmitted to that, we suggest to God by which means His grace should come to us. When all actuality, He's actually already given that and, and maybe even given that through His Word. You know, there's many, many, much of God's grace and his, the way of grace that he describes in his word. And we've got to trust that that is God's means of grace. As we go through the scriptures, as we study it and understand it. And, and yet, I think another important part of just, just gaining grace and this idea of gleaning is that she just, in verse 3, and, and sometimes we, we just miss the simple. We see in verse 3, and she went. And she went, and she came and gleaned in the field. And we'll study the, the rest of that next time. Her hap was to light on the part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was part of the kindred of Elimelech. And by the way, there's no coincidences with God. But we see that she went to the field, and she went. You know, what we read earlier in chapter 1 is um, the two went. But now it was just her. She went. And what it is, is, is you've got to be willing to move on to no grace. You know, sometimes we get so stuck in the fact that we don't have it, that we miss out on the grace to come. You know, sometimes we get stuck in, in I think about the, the, the lame man at the pool of Bethsaida there. Jesus comes along and I think John chapter 5. And it was that every year an angel touches the water and the first one to jump in the water gets healed. And so this was what was in his mind. And yet Jesus, Jesus who is the, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, he's the Savior of all, very God himself comes by. And Jesus looks at the man and he says, wilt thou be made whole? And what does the man answer? Sir, I have no man. And he goes on and he talks about all of the, the issues that he has and all of the circumstances and all of the, the things that I'm lame and I'm this and I'm that. 
you know, sometimes God will give us a means of, a means of grace if we just don't get stuck in our present circumstance. If we're just not so stuck in, and, and you know, I look at this and I think about Naomi, who was grieving, but I think Ruth was grieving too. But it was only Ruth who went. And she was the one that received grace. She was the one that understood there's a means to go forward. And, and sometimes we miss out on the coming grace because we just won't move on from our present circumstance. And you know, there's still a contrast here, I think, of, between Ruth and Naomi. It just seems to me that Naomi was still maybe in neutral, still mourning her past. And, and again, I'm not, I'm not criticizing her. That's just where she was at. But Ruth went. In spite of her own grief, she moved on. And the problem with Naomi was like, was like that of the Israelites in the wilderness. They kept holding on to what was. They kept holding on to what it was before. They could never, ever even get back. And yet Ruth showed by moving forward from the past and trusting God for her future that actually she understood grace. That grace isn't just for the past. Grace isn't just for the present. That actually grace is for things to come. You know, Ruth showed by moving on that she demonstrated really a commitment and a trust on God, not simply on where she was at, but that God can bring her through it. And grace, grace comes to those who look to God rather than things out of their control. I think about what Job said in Job 13, 15, though he slay me, yet will I trust him, but I will maintain mine own ways before him. You know, Job was, pleading, was, was trying to plead his case with God, with a trust in God. I think about David who after that, that, uh, that controversial time in his life where he, he took Bathsheba and she fell pregnant and, and, and God judged that action in the life of, of David by, uh, by, by, uh, by putting a sickness on that child. And you remember what David ultimately did? He he fasted and he sought the Lord. He besought the Lord in that. And then he discerned when he looked over that the men were talking that the child had died. So this child had died, the one who he was seeking the Lord for to preserve. And so he discerns and then they look at him and he cleans himself up and he begins to eat. Why? Because he got the answer he, that God had. And you know, that's a difficult situation, isn't it, to say the least? But sometimes when we're seeking God for something and He answers in a different way, sometimes we won't move on from that. Sometimes we'll get upset at God. Sometimes we'll continue to just be in a place of mourning when maybe God's trying to move, move us on and give and minister greater grace. And sometimes he just can, and, and we're just there. But you know what David immediately did? He, he changed. David immediately understood why, because he was a man after God's own heart. And I'm not saying he didn't grieve, I'm telling you he grieved. He grieved while he wept for that child, while he fasted and sought for that child. But as soon as God answered and made it clear, he moved on. And you know, many times God will give us an answer that's different. 
and even in, in, from a human point of view, even disappointing and even confusing. And yet in, in those times, it's, that's when our trust in God and, and understanding of how he meets out grace will get us through to the next destination, will get us through to the next juncture of our lives where there's more grace to come. Because what we find is actually Ruth gleans and Ruth meets Boaz. Now, some of you young adults are like, when's the romance going to come? It's coming. But I'm telling you, it was because Ruth was willing to go. Ruth was willing to take a step forward. And there she was met with grace. And I'm telling you, if you would just trust God to take a step forward, instead of being stuck in what is, you're going to find grace will meet you there. Uh, Warren Wearsby said it this way. He says, do not say, why were the former days better than these? You do not move ahead by constantly looking in a rearview mirror. The past is a rudder to guide you, not an anchor to drag you. We must learn from the past but not live in the past. And when you move forward into tomorrow, God meets you there. And he's got enough grace like he had enough grace for yesterday. And and you've got to move on to gain grace. And so she went and she came and she gleaned at the field after the reapers. And then next week, Lord willing, we're we're going to think about Boaz. And we're going to see that just a tremendous picture of Christ in this mighty man. And you know what? The great thing about this, we might know it in type, but it's, it's our reality. <laughs> because we have, we have Jesus, and he, he is gracious. And maybe you're here this morning and you're not saved. I want to tell you, God has enough grace for you. Where sin abounds, grace abounded. And much more. And I want to tell you that God has grace enough for you. And maybe you're here and maybe you're looking for the answer. You're looking for something. You're looking for God to, I will tell you that God's got a way of meeting out grace to meet your need. But you've got to do it his way and you've got to trust in him. And so seek God. You're going to have him. His ways are the ways of grace. And if we would submit ourselves to his way, his word, you're going to be willing to receive the grace for what it is. And trust in, in, in those things that maybe you can't even comprehend yourself. You're going to find that as you glean, you're going to find grace enough in times of need. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you, Lord. Dear God, just too often we neglect and even ignore Lord, just your means of grace, your means to bring us out of our situations. And Lord, we hesitate and we compute and we, Lord, we find ourselves in, in places of great confusion. And yet, Lord, you've got a means to, to bring us forward and a means to minister grace each day. And so I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to just act humbly before you to be clothed with humility. And Lord, be willing to receive whatever 
way it is that you made out to us, Lord, to meet our very needs. That, Father, we would take those steps to just look to you for, for our tomorrows. I pray that you'd help each one of us to just, just um, allow your Holy Spirit to, Lord, to, to work in us this morning. With heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around, we're going to have a time of invitation. Maybe that's you this morning. And you'd admit not just the fact that God is gracious, but you just need, you need His grace and you need to know. And you need, you need God to minister grace to you and, and you just want to trust Him. You just want to be able to say, Lord, I, I've been relying on my own strength. Lord, I've been trying to figure it out myself, but I need your grace today. If there be anyone here just to say, Pastor, pray for me. I need God's grace. I need God's grace. Anyone here? See that hand. Anyone else? See those hands. Thank you. Anyone else? Say, Pastor, pray for me. I just, I'd love, I need God's grace. I, I see those hands. Thank you. Okay, you can put them down. Well, let's all stand. We're going to have this time of invitation. If God spoke to you, why don't you come? Why don't you do what God would have you to do? Just, just commit some things to Him. Maybe you're here, you're not saved. I would love to show you from the Word of God how you can be saved. There are those at the back that can help you. Um, please come and see myself or, or one of, our, one of our, our workers. They'll love to show you from the Word of God how you can be saved. But as the piano plays, if, if the Lord spoke to you this morning, why don't you come? Maybe there at your seat. But why don't we just have a, a time of prayer? And then after this, I'll have... Um, Paul come and lead us in a song and then we'll, we'll get into our baptism this morning.